0: Welcome back to the book review, and I think I just stole this podcast name from Chloe. I'm sorry, Chloe. Today's episode, we're going to be reviewing the book It by Stephen King, and buckle up because I'm so sorry in advance. Also, fun fact, I already recorded the whole podcast, and I was about to put it all together, and I realized I forgot an intro, so enjoy this hot mess. woo Okay, so I'm going to try to, like, flash forward to, like, a summary. Because this thing is literally as long as the Bible. So, <laughs> let's try to do this. So, in the fall of 1957, the Dinborough family experienced the loss of their youngest son, Georgie. Flash forward to 1948. I did not just say, oh, my. Forget that happened. <clears throat> what are we even talking about? But, anyhow, flash forward to 1984. When a gay man is killed and seen being dragged under a bridge by a cloud a call is made by mike cannon the librarian in the town of Derry, maine to six old friends who had long forgotten about the town of Derry. upon getting this call stanley or Eris, i don't really know how to say it. i just kind of said ears in my head the whole time kills himself leaving nothing but the word it written in richard chozier Ben Hanscom, eddie casprick and bill denborough all begin the track back to Derry with their own complications However, the six-called Beverly Marsh Rogan is met with the decision to either fight her abusive spouse and return to her home or town or stay in submission. She chooses to fight and manages to make it to Derry. The quote-unquote Losers Club is together to fight IT. Each of its members experience prejudice in their own ways. IT comes back every 27 years and dates back to the year 1929. In 1958, a silver quote-unquote bullet used to send IT away. Not vanquish IT. The ritual of Chud is the only way to get rid of It. In adulthood, the losers are very successful in their own ways. However, the main childhood bully they faced isn't in a mental institution for the criminally insane. Since he killed his father, Victor Belch, and the accusation of killing Mark, Veronica Gergen, he finds his way out of the institution during the return of It and attempts to kill Mike, Eddie. Mike, but Eddie kills him. Or it, you know, he's not really a dude, but he's just kind of a being, as it, you know, it just be like that sometimes. It begins possessing more and more people throughout the town and attempts to kill the losers. After this, the reigning five losers venture out to finally kill it. Eddie's killed in this final encounter. Bill kills it while it's in the form of a giant spider. He squeezes his heart until it bursts. Then the next morning, the four leave, there's a bunch of earthquakes. Yada, yada, yada. They all go on to live their separate lives. Ain't that a cute little fun story? The book itself is kind of a trip, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of pedophilia, murder, suicide, you know, just silly, goofy things like that. You know, just everything that you girl know, for once a piece of literature. So starting off with the character of Beverly, I really thought that she was just such a strong character. And I mean, you watch her progress from everything with it, her abusive father, and how that translates into everything in her adult life and how her husband reflects how she was treated as a kid. And so that kind of goes into the theme throughout the book of how childhood trauma and its effects last long into adulthood. So given that and how everything moves and shifts, it takes on a pretty unique perspective given that we get to watch what happens when they're kids. And it does something that very few pieces of literature can achieve and just media in general where it's after the big events have happened it's after everything's kind of gone down you get to see how the characters have reacted how it affects them even into later on life and i wish that was something that more piece of media did because it really does give you a later sense of the characters and how their lives have developed as a whole moving on to the other characters they all have their own kind of thing that brings them into the losers club so Stuttering Bill, his little brother Georgie kind of kicks off the book. He is murdered in a horrific accident involving the sewer system. His body is found with his arm ripped off. Then we have, of course, you know Georgie, killed by Pennywise, starts the same string of murders. It comes back every 27 years. So that's kind of how we have that adult perspective is we see them as kids with the first encounters with it. And then they come back later with the later encounters. Later on, we have Ben. He's severely overweight, and that kind of makes him a target for the bullies throughout the novel. And the novel also takes on the perspective with the whole later adulthood thing and the themes of childhood trauma. And they bring it back, and you kind of see how the bullies' life are impacted and how. uh, I forgot his name. So we eventually see Henry Bowers, and the book actually gives insight into his home life and why he is the way he is to our characters and why he targets them. And it almost seems like he has a jealousy for their friendship and how they're comfortable in their own skin. And so we see him later into adulthood, uh, after his father's abusiveness and all. Uh, we see him kill his father, which you know is a little bit of a harsh reaction, but it shows how bullying affects even into later life and how home problems can affect you long into adulthood, which of course ties back to those original themes. Uh, so now that you kind of know what's going on, hmm. We finna bust into the themes now. Okay, so I kind of take some funky, fresh themes. There's like a lot of them because I really enjoyed this book. So there's the spooky slash supernatural themes, horror as a genre itself. You know, I kind of kind of those together. There's domestic abuse, which is a fun one. Uh, that sarcasm, please don't think I think abuse is fun. <clears throat> then there's storytelling and memory, and this book literally retired like relies so hard on like storytelling and memory. Um, the largest theme in it is probably storytelling and memory, if I'm being honest. The main characters are haunted by their past and by Dairy's past. You know, the town itself allows evil to flourish and is fueled by its inhabitants. It I'm sorry, I feel like that's so confusing, but I just kinda have to call it, it. Pennywise. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Uses the rich Hershey Oh, wait, I'm talking about the book here. I'm sorry, I'm reading off a script. (laughs) Anywho, pretend I didn't just say that. But um, the book itself uses rich history, personal conflicts, and a bunch of foreshadowing and storytelling to propel its story forward. The book manages beautifully written history with a consistent timeline that allows you as the reader to tackle the mammoth of the book easier. The character's individual struggles, such as being Jewish and African-American, are reoccurring in the book and deeply affect them into adulthood. The book is unique is that it features two timelines, allowing you to see how the history of dairy and how past traumas affect the protagonist, even into adulthood. Eddie, for example, marries almost exactly what his mother was, and excuses her behavior for love. Yikes. By having both the perspective of his younger and older selves, we get a far deeper understanding of his trauma, similar to how Beverly pretty much marries her abusive dad. Woohoo! So throughout the book, there's this fabulous motif this all-knowing turtle creature thing. And this bad boy is in, like, all of Stephen King's novels. And he's literally not even, like, he's not even, like, his character. He's literally just, like, a being. And he's not even negative or positive. He literally just kind of exists, you know? And, like, I don't know, man. He's he's kind of a cool dude, but, like, in a bad way. I don't know. He's just so neutral. But he's an overbearing presence. And he looks down upon Pennywise because he's kind of, like, bruh because Pennywise is like kind of dumb like he just is like he doesn't really know what to do with his powers and even as a reader you kind of see like oh he he sucks at the whole big scary monster deal like he he's bad at his job but um I'd say that's a really good motif literary device okay so literary device number two so I can get my points just kidding I actually really enjoy doing this um is imagery as like a whole and like Dude, Stephen King, despite him being a pedophile and, like, a bad person, sorry, just the truth, um, he kind of is tasked with something that's kind of hard to do, and that is creating a lasting mental picture because you, you're you not going to get spooked by the word blood. Like, that's not going to be like, ah, it's a word. Like, get out. No. You're going to get spooked by the blood oozes from the wall and the man creep. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of late, so I'm trying not to, to scare myself. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not really. But um, you can't just get spooked if you were just like the big scary clown. It, he goes in dead. Like, he gets under your skin. Like, you feel like there's, like, someone watching while you're reading the book. And while it was spooky at times, it was an appreciated spookiness. Because sometimes even with horror movies, you don't really get that vibe, you know? Like you kinda of have to create the vibe yourself. But like, I don't know. Stephen King does so good with that. And I think that it creates like mm, tone and mood. It kind of like ties in how like he makes the reader feel. Like he he kind of forces you into like this oof kind of moment where you're like, I am I'm, I'm kinda of spooked, man. Like, and I'm not one to get really spooked by like horror movies, so it's kind of refreshing. Every time I read a horn, I'll be like, ah, yes. Not a jump scare, not predictable. There's twists there's turns there's things that get your stomach rolling and he really has kind of changed towards a genre like he kind of is the horror novelist like you think of when you think spooky scary stuff, you think Stephen King or Stephen King even I don't know how you say it. I'm sorry I said both probably Wh- whatever you want to call him he has the unique job of being kind of like, like he's groundbreaking like as an author despite I don't really like him as a person I like him as an author Um, I'd also like to go into this quick theme, um, Ms. Fisher, I know you're not going to like me for this, given you didn't like when I called him a pedophile, um, but he is, and there's a reoccurring theme of sexualizing women, especially children. Um, if you're a grown man using the word breast sexy, and yeah, I'm not even going to go in depth because it's just too much to describe a prepubescent child, that's, um, you're messed up, man. But um, I guess we'll move on for that. But I thought that was pretty important because it is, it comes up a lot in the book. And I'm saying comfortable to read a lot of the time because I was just like, what am I, like I felt wrong reading it at some points because of just how intense things would get. Um, As much as details, I'm really gonna go in with that just because it is kind of a sensitive topic. And I myself am not really comfortable discussing it, especially in a um, educational setting, even though I think it is important that we kind of acknowledge Despite the piece of literature, we have to kind of learn about the author, which is a great segue into kind of getting to know the author. So, the psycho who kind of wrote this, um, he began writing when he was six or seven. I thought that was so interesting, Um, but I'm not going to spend too much time on this. But I thought getting to know him was kind of interesting, um, and getting to know the kind of historical context, and, like, there's a lot of things with, like, the AIDS crisis, and... like that and i'm about to get into that but um yes stephen king kind of he's was anti-war earned a bachelor's degree in english married another author worked as a high school english teacher struggled with mood conflicts and alcoholism and alcoholism is a recurring theme in a lot of his books um it's actually seen through it through henry bower's dad who's of course as we all know it killed um, but yeah, I kind of thought that was interesting. I'm gonna add a cool transition in here. <laughs> so now that I've thoroughly traumatized you, shared my trauma with reading this book, um I kinda wanna wrap this up because I think I've already gone over the time limits. Prime is fisher. Um, but yeah, so overall, book is jacked up. Stephen King is jacked up. But it's a really good read. Um, this brings us to the question of what I recommended. mm probably not. But I did really like it. It's just I don't think a lot of people really are willing to read something like that. And it definitely depends on what kind of person you are, whether or not you should read it. Um also I don't really like the fact that people could read that and be like, girl, you were reading this, not to kind of be like, yeah, I did read that and I kind of enjoyed it because I feel like they're gonna think I'm absolutely insane um but yeah it was a interesting time to be alive and I hope you enjoyed this kind of crappy podcast go Falcons